You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Devings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 251 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me in the PTUK studios, he's going mad with the touchscreen, it's Matt Smith. <laughs> hello everyone. Uh, good evening, good evening. Yes, yes. It's, uh, it's, Was that oh, a mad frantic dash? It's also my home, I should stress. <laughs> this is also my home, but uh, there we are. Uh, yes, hello, welcome. Yes, it's it's uh, 251. How did that happen? I don't I know. I, know. I don't understand. Swiftly heading towards 300 shows. Oh, shh. That's crazy, isn't it? So, uh, what's been happening in the world of Matt this week? Ooh. I don't know, really. Just been Coaching. going to work, really. Yeah, yeah. Been driving around, driving around. To was the... that you this morning when I was on the way to work at um, seven twenty-three a.m.? Seven twenty-three a.m. Depends on which direction I was heading, heading towards my work. Uh, well, I don't know. What was I in? The one with no window in the back. Oh, that, most of them haven't got oh. windows in the back. I was in a little one. Does that help? Oh, no, that wasn't no, you then. No, okay. no that, that, that wasn't, wasn't me then. Okay, no. what well, riveting for the listeners. I know. I'm quite sure of this conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. Are you still uh, driving that small bus? Yes, I am. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, God it's a coach, I love you know. It's a very nice one. Right, I'm in small tomorrow. Coach. It's very nice. I Miniscule like coach. Uh, Nev, save us, please, will you? Hello, and Nev. joining <laughs> us from his manor house in Buckinghamshire, it's the awesome Neville Bounds. Well, good evening, everyone, and uh, great to be back on the show. It's been a busy week, that's for sure, uh, certainly at work for me. Everybody seems to have all come back together on Monday, so uh, Monday the, all the email and phones lit up. Uh, so I'm happy to say I'm quite glad for a rest this weekend because it's been a bit, a bit full on for my liking. But I've had a very nice day today because uh, I had lunch with Jenny <gasps> and her daughter and oh, her ooh. husband. And we'll be featuring a bit of video mm. later on that. Yes, because Jenny was very lucky. She won the uh, the star prize in the Christmas competition. So uh, well done again to you, Jenny, for that. And to everyone who won a prize. Uh, on that note, we've uh, got uh, most of the present or the prizes have been sent out. We're just waiting for uh, Tony Kinsley just to uh, drop us a line via email uh, with where you want uh, your air crash investigation ah, DVDs yes. to be sent. So, Tony, if you're listening to the show, do drop us an email and uh, let us know where to send your DVDs. So, time check then. It's... It's uh, just gone past 7 p.m. on the 9th, or the 11th, I should say, the 11th of January uh, 2019. And, uh, well, it's been a fantastic week here in the aviation world for me because I've had the attack of the Apaches. Oh, have you? In, right. Uh, yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, the, the guys at uh, RAF Wattisham, which is not far from where we live here in mm. East Anglia, have been uh, using uh, the training, well, the, the flight school where I learned to fly as a kind of training ground. They do that quite a lot, don't they? Actually? Yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah. Yeah, that's not far from you as well. It's not, no, indeed. Um, actually, in fact, we, I have to confess, we did briefly stand outside and, uh, wave? and watch the... Well, not wave, <laughs> I think slightly more worried that we were going to be shot down. <laughs> that's slightly unnerving. Yeah, they, so, they've, yeah. Been, they've been very busy this week flying over uh, where I work, and very low indeed as well. Yeah, and uh, we absolutely. got, we did, I managed to get a wave from one of the guys uh, on Wednesday, which was quite nice, um, as he was flying over at about yeah. uh, 300 feet. <laughs> There as as, you do. As yeah. you do. So we've got lots of stuff to get through in the show this week, including the sixth installment and the final installment of the Sir Richard Johns interview. 
which is going to be awesome to watch uh, for those of you guys who've been following that. We've also got uh, a little segment that's been sent in from Pip, I think, have we, Matt? No. Oh, we got that next week. That's next week. That's next yeah. week. Well, we have got a segment coming from Pip <laughs> next afraid, week. I'm afraid it arrived a little bit too late for me um, to, to, to process, unfortunately. But we so. do have, obviously, the video, as Nev said, uh, of his meet-up with Jenny, uh, at a very nice-looking restaurant, I will say, as well. We've got some military news as we're coming up later on the show. Uh, so that's all to come. So we are going to start the show then uh, a little bit, uh, well, not as swiftly this week because we've got some housework to do we have because it. it's the beginning of the month yeah, and uh, we've obviously got to say thank you to a very many people. So, uh, Nev, what's going on there? Yes, very much so. And uh, thank you very much to all our Patreons and we really appreciate your contributions. Uh, this month they are Adam Spink, Adrian Meacham, Andrew Wilson, Captain Jeff, Eric Graves, Evan Shue, Graham Haley, Jeff Ward, Jenny Parkinson, Jonathan Warner, Jordan Rose, Liz Piper, Masha, uh, Matt Caton, Matt Donemeyer, Matt Buntingframe, Myla, uh, Owen, uh, Neil Lanwarn, Nick Anderson, Nico, uh, Philip Labe, Ray Williams, Reuben Wells, Ryan Harper, Stuart Backer, Stephanie Plummer, Steve Andress, Stuart Black, and York Mola. Thank you all for your brilliant contributions. They make such a difference for, uh, for us. Yeah. yeah, thanks to everyone. Absolutely. And also to Tom Thomas as well, who donated via PayPal, the, mm. uh, the old school way of donating. So thanks to you, Tom Thomas, for your donation as well this month. Very, very grateful. It's been uh, very good uh, indeed in helping us to uh, to move the show along as we do. And it helps, well, it helps to pay for everything, really, guys, does, and yeah, all the uh, bits yeah. and pieces. And uh, yeah, the, we've uh, been, I've been working on website this week. Yes. So, uh, yeah, yes, yeah, new yes. website to come. Hopefully, I'm looking forward to that in the coming days. But uh, yeah. is it shiny? Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm sort of pleased. I don't know. It's, it's, it's <laughs> I think I'm pleased with it. But uh, let me wait till. Hopefully, I'll have something for you guys to look at when we have our our annual production meeting mm. next weekend. Let's be fair, Matt. You're good at what you do, and it's going to look amazing. So <laughs> uh, far, there we yeah. go. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. So we are going to start the show then, as we do each week, with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. Uh, yes. And if you're ready, Nev. Fully ready, Captain. Oh, and <laughs> oh. I just realised he's still... Oh, no. You see... You well, start, I'll yeah, tell you what. Keep, just keep stalling. Keep stalling. It'll be fine. I'll find the right button in a minute. Keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> I can't find it. <clears throat> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's all right. That's fine. Do you mean carry on? I'll lead the segue yeah, even further. Thanks for I? that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what was my instructions? So we My have instructions were to keep talking. What oh, did well, you do? I'll, you stopped okay. talking. <laughs> Are you ready then? Born. Oh, right, okay. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's go. So, kicking off this week's first news story on the Bloomberg.com website. And great news for Brian Coleman. Because United has uh, regained its rank as the world's number two airline. 
Cool. Is that something to be excited about? <laughs> <laughs> well, number two could mean many things. But anyway, oh, moving on. I see, the I airline, see what you did there, I know. Yeah. The airline world uh, has a new number two. After United uh, Continental Holdings Incorporate, aggressive domestic expansion pushed the carrier ahead of Delta Airlines in terms of passenger traffic. Early last year, United embarked on an effort to regain market share uh, at its uh, three mid-continent hubs in Chicago, Houston and Denver. Under a three-year push, United is targeting capacity increases of much as 6% annually as it sees to increase uh, flight connections, profits and its busiest airports. United last year recorded 230.2 billion uh, revenue passenger miles, an industry yardstick of traffic that multiples the uh, number of passengers by the distance flown. The company said on Wednesday this week in a statement, uh, Delta had 225.2 billion, according to a report last week, and Delta took over the number two spot in 2015 as uh, Chicago-based United untrenched. Uh, he said, our goal is not to be the biggest, but we want to be the best. And as we implement our strategy, we are looking to build on this momentum in 2019, said United spokeswoman Megan McCarthy. American Airlines Group uh, Incorporated, which has yet to release its traffic for all of 2018, is expected to regain or retain its title as the world's largest carrier. United also led a major U.S. carriers in stock gains last year with a 24% jump. And the other eight companies on a standards and poor in airline index all lost their values. So good news for United. Um, I know they've uh, they've recently took uh, delivery of uh, their latest Dreamliners as well. And I think uh, I think United are the one of the few air, very few airlines in the world to operate all three versions of the Dreamliner: the Dash Eight, the Dash right. Nine, and the Dash Ten, the largest of those. So mm. uh, yeah, I sweat. Brian Coleman is uh, rather happy now. Very excited, I have uh, yeah. no doubt. <laughs> so the next story uh, for you, Matt, is, um, well, it's um, good news for Ryanair. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, so this is on theguardian.com. Uh, have I got the right story? Yes, I oh, have. Yes. Yes. So it's uh, Ryanair ranked worst airline for sixth year in a row. <laughs> Bad food and uncomfortable seats leave airline bottom in latest which survey. So Ryanair has been rated as the worst airline for the sixth consecutive year by which, with the customer group uh, claiming the Dublin-based carrier is still catching out passengers with hidden costs. In the annual survey of short-haul airlines, passengers gave the airline the lowest possible rating for boarding, seat comfort, food and drink, and cabin environment. Uh, according to which, Ryanair, uh, which carries more passengers than any other airline in Europe, is also now the airline most consumers refuse to fly with. Of those who expressed a preference, 70% said they would not use Ryanair. Ryanair, however, dismissed the survey as unrepresentative and worthless. The poll suggests Ryanair's attempts to convince the flying public that it is uh, uh, a better airline uh, have yet to pay off, while the refusal to pay compensation to passengers affected by strikes has again left its reputation in tatters, while Ryanair argues that repeated tweaks to its baggage rules have made travelling cheaper for many, the charges for assigned seating and cabin uh, luggage 
can put their fares higher than those of their rivals, which said the airline made uh, 1.75 billion pounds last year from ancillary revenues or extras, making up 28% of its total revenue. Assigned seating on the airline can cost up to 40 pounds per passenger's passenger for a return journey while a wheeled cabin case costs an extra 12 to 16 pounds after changes were made to the baggage rules last year charges for putting a small case in the hold have been reduced but the cost of checking in a 20 kilogram suitcase can more than double many advertised fares so it's um yeah, I don't know how I feel about this story, to be brutally honest with you. It is, uh, I mean, the thing is, is we all know what Ryanair is like. Um, and yet, um, you know, I think, was it last week when we were talking about the load factors? They were absolutely insane. Was it a 96% um, load factor or something silly on, I mean, it just, mm. I don't know. I mean, the thing is, is you know that the food is going to be awful. You know that, the, but it is, I, I don't know, I still think it's really cheap. I don't... Um, I, it's, uh, yeah. They could run a story really being nasty, like really incredibly nasty to Ryanair, and they'd yeah. still have incredibly high load numbers next year and this year. To, to think about is, uh, okay, one might have an opinion about Ryanair, as I do, yeah. but think of the jobs that it's brought into the industry and also at the airports themselves, because mm. many airports would just not be able to survive with some of the other flights that they had, but because they've got Ryanair serving it, uh, it's brought a lot of you know commercial uh, interest into those areas so you've got to say that the knock-on effect of uh, how successful Ryanair have been despite the fact that some most of the passengers don't like it um, it's extraordinary isn't it it is it is it's uh, uh, but then then could you could you argue perhaps that you know the complaints are higher purely and simply because more people are using them I mean could yep. it be something as simple as that yeah. You know, I mean, actually, if you if you looked at say percentages with with another airline, would would those numbers still work out to be the same? I mean, it's um... on the site, Matt. It gives you a, um, a costs of extras on three short haul flights to Alicante. Now they they give you a, a three of the airlines, three of the the major kind of low cost airlines here in the UK. Ryanair being one, EasyJet and Jet Two. And when you look at the difference in price as a whole between Ryanair and EasyJet, the two big two. Uh, so they base this on return I'm fares. It, I'm popping it up on screen. Yeah, yeah. They base it on return fares, check suitcase, wheel cabin case, assigned seating um, with all the extras and stuff. And the price difference between the two, so EasyJet comes in at 129 quid yeah. and Ryanair comes in at 134 quid. There's not a huge... Oh, and also, I mean, if you you know, a lot of us are very good about being able to do it all in in our mm. in our hand luggage. So actually, if you are good at doing stuff like that, then um, you, you don't have to pay for any extras, even now, you know. And I will say, and you 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 should know this as well, Matt. That EasyJet, there's, there's more legroom. With, there, uh, yes, with there, no, aircraft, there yeah. definitely is. Although yeah. I, I seem to remember uh, talking to someone um, not that long ago, and they sort of disputed that actually the the seat pitch, if you like, wasn't really a great deal different uh, between Ryanair and and say EasyJet. But uh, Chris Griggs is flying uh, with them on Sunday. Mm. Uh, uh, he says flight costs less than the tax. I know. Mm. Yeah. Well, that that's not entirely uncommon, is it? <laughs> it's, it's, uh, Andrew Wilson uh, in the chat room said, "I would love to be able to use EasyJet here in the Midlands." Yes, that's true. Yeah, mm. is that East Midlands Air? Because it's BMI, isn't it? That's predominantly at yeah, uh, East it is, Midlands, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, next story. Moving on uh, is uh, one for Unev. 
Oh, yes. The media had a field day with this, of course, the other day. And it's on the uh, Sydney Morning Herald. And it's all about the drone. Uh -oh. This time, it's a Heathrow. Yes. And uh, Britain's uh, Transport Minister, Chris Grayling, said that the military would be deployed with counter-drone technology. I've already spoken uh, to both the Home Secretary and the Defence Secretary. And the military are preparing to deploy the equipment used at Gatwick at Heathrow quickly, should it prove necessary, the minister said. Uh, Scotland Yard said police officers were amongst those who saw the drone flown near the airport and confirmed that uh, the military uh, was involved in their response. Police officers were amongst those who saw the drone, uh, said uh, Commander Stuart Cundy. Uh, we're carrying out extensive searches around the Heathrow area to identify any people who may be responsible for the operation of the drone. Following today's sighting, military assistance has been implemented to support us. However, we'll not be discussing in any further detail the range of tactics available to us as this would only serve to potentially undermine their effectiveness, he said. Just before 6pm local time, a spokesman for Heathrow Airport confirmed that they had stopped departures as a precautionary measure following the drone sightings. We're working with the uh, Air Traffic Control and the Met Police and have resumed departures out of Heathrow after a short suspension, an airport spokesman said. We continue to work with the Met Police on reports of drones at Heathrow and will continue to monitor this and apologise to anyone that was affected. Scotland Yard said that it first received reports of a drone sighting in the vicinity of Heathrow Airport at 17.05. The Flight Radar 24 website recorded departures halting around 17.15 and resuming an hour later. The uh, unfolding incident sparked fears of, re of a repeat of the pre-Christmas chaos caused by reports of multiple drone sightings at London's second largest airport, Gatwick. More than 100,000 passengers were affected by the three-day chaos. It's still not known who was behind the operation of that drone, but Chris Grayling told the Commons on Monday that the government was prepared to deal with any further drone sightings near airports. Uh, police are being given new powers to land and to seize drones. The Home Office will begin testing a range of counter-drone technology. It's already illegal to fly a drone within one kilometre of an airport in Britain. Heathrow averages 1,299 flights per day, making it the country's busiest airport with 78 million passengers transiting through in 2017. 81 airlines fly to 204 destinations in 85 countries uh, that operate from the airport. Several flights from Australia were scheduled to leave Heathrow on Tuesday night, including the BA015, uh, the Qantas QF2 and the Codeshare with Emirates QF8006 bound for Dubai. So the, the media were in an absolute frenzy when this happened, because this happened, it sort of broke just before six o'clock. So all the people that have got the six o'clock news teed up, it's all, you know, mega panic. And there's reporting going on, misreporting going on. Mm. And of course, within four or five hours, it's all died down again. So we'll back to, I, as you I, I would just say, actually, the one, and I feel I need to say this, because obviously we were talking about my drone in last week's show. Uh, and I must admit, when I was watching, because uh, one of the BBC cameramen who happened to be there uh, actually got a very clear shot of the drone. He did, yeah. And it matched mine perfectly, <laughs> even down to the green lights on the front and the red lights on the back. Aha. Uh -huh. So uh, I should just put it out there. I do have genuine proof of where I was at the time of the incident, <laughs> and I have evidence here that, that I was at home. <coughs> I promise it was not me. 
Uh, well, let, let the police make that decision, mate. Yeah, well, yeah, oh, Dolph, thanks for your support, Nev. Really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it, it was just a bit scary. It, it really was. It's, um, it's, uh, but again, they're saying in the chat room here, like uh, Neil Lamorne is saying, um, it's, uh, sorry, no, Liz is saying, sorry, that the media love the drone incidents. I mean, it's, uh, it's this thing. Do you, I mean, are they are they happening more often? Do you think, or is it just that now that the media has seen it happen once, that they're pouncing on every single vague drone sighting? I mean, presumably we've had drone sightings at these various airports in the past, um, but it's only making headline news now because of what happened at Gatwick. Or am I, I think speaking this is out the of problem. Term? What, what's happened now? It, this this whole Gatwick thing is just a catalyst yeah. for any drone thing or sighting that may happen, uh, maybe within the airport boundary or, or not. And of course, it's just it's great media stuff, and uh, the inaccuracy that's gone on over the last couple of weeks about this thing has been unbelievable uh, so i think it's all got to calm down a bit and hopefully there are no more incidents because uh, the, the media just get their their knickers in a twist over it that's for yeah. sure yeah no they do it's um it's uh so worrying and of course one of the things that's interesting here is to- tony's actually said again uh that some of the reported drone sightings could well have been perfectly legal um mm. it's uh it's it, it, it the whole thing is not very well it's not being handled very well, is it? I think, which is what we were alluding to um, in last week's segment. But, uh, you know, we're going over old ground, so we should probably move on, really. Mm. Yes. So moving on to the next story. And this one is on uh, the A Times or Asia Times dot com website. And we all know that uh, since, obviously, 9-11, the uh, visits to the flight deck for uh, passengers are not allowed anymore, unfortunately. Very, very sad news indeed, because I loved that part of the flying years ago. Uh, but the headline on the website is, Chinese airline pilot grounded for seating his wife in the cockpit. Ooh. So a pilot uh, with Shenzhen-based Donghai Airlines has been fined 12,000 yen or 1,756 US dollars and grounded for six months pending further disciplinary action after he was seated uh, with his wife on the flight deck of the 737 on a flight that he commanded. Uh, Chen Guxing piloted flight DZ6286 from Nantong in eastern Jingzhou province to Langzhou in northwestern Gangsu province and the connecting flight from Langzhou to Beijing on the July the 28th uh, this year oh sorry uh, 28th 2018 uh, during the journey he reportedly allowed his wife uh, on the flight uh, deck on three separate occasions. Chen was said to have ignored the strong dissenting views of fellow crew members and insisted on letting his wife into the cockpit. Two pilots, uh, co-pilots and a chief attendant and security officer on board the flight uh, also faced fines and were served warnings for their failure to uh, resolutely stop uh, the severe violations, the airline has said. The carrier apologised to passengers and pledged to review safety protocols and procedures for all its staff. However, this only happened after China's Civil Aviation Administration stepped in and made a public uh, safety, br- oh, safety announced breach, which soon aroused anger in the media. Some internet commenters opinioned, uh, however, that the senior flight purser should be rewarded rather than punished because she confronted a senior officer. 
Before long, other professional violations by Chen came to light. On at least two separate occasions, he decided to initiate a departure, even though the actual passenger headcount on board was different from the flight manifest. In a separate incident on China Eastern Airlines, a flight was delayed on uh, Tuesday this week after a passenger reportedly threw coins uh, again into one of the engines. We heard about that actually not so long back then. Uh, last year, I think that happened, didn't it? Uh, a passenger on the affected flight told local media uh, the police were called soon after ground sp uh, service spotted someone. Um, it's safe to say that uh, flight deck visits are definitely not allowed. Um, I think even if uh, certainly not while they're in flight. Yeah, anyway, even yeah. if you, you you know even if we know the pilot incredibly well, you know I think mm. if we we're all on board a Virgin uh, uh, Acme Red flight. <laughs> with uh, a certain pilot that we all know and love that uh, I don't think would be allowed in the flight deck as um, if we knew any pilots on any airlines we wouldn't be allowed in the flight deck and um, I would imagine it's um, a golden rule even if you are family that uh, you can't get onto the flight deck which uh, it, like I said is a terrible shame because I think Matt, you agree Nev, Matt would really love a flight deck visit uh, yes. if he was on yeah. I think you'd enjoy that, Matt. Yeah. You reckon? Yeah. <laughs> Can I have that in writing? <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, I think the other thing that's happened here is obviously we've got uh, some massive cultural differences between the part of the world that these gentlemen fly in and other parts of the world. And in terms of challenging authority and that kind of thing, where is that sort of uh, encouraged as, as part of the, you know, CRM and, and that kind of business in, in mm. here in the European region and certainly in the US as well. But certainly in, um, in the Far Eastern countries, uh, that's a very different culture. And I just wonder if this is uh, a contributory factor to it possibly. I, I mean, the thing is, is I mean, we'd all love to be able to to sort of be 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 doing that, as you say, and perhaps one of the best ways of getting over my fear of flying, in some respects, is to have exactly that a, a visit to the cockpit in the air. Mm. But the, the the fact is, the rules have now changed, and it's and I, they have changed, I presume, across the entire world. Way. It isn't it's been, just been the rule for a long while. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, no mm. I I mean that obviously since um, 9-11, I know, mm. but it was it's more, but the, the rules also apply. Um, you know, for the Asian carriers as well, it's mm. not just a, yeah. a Western sort mm. of very true. A, a part of you know the the world. And you know, if the rules are there, then you have to you have to adhere to them, don't you? I think I think definitely the seven four for you. You would love the flight deck. Do you there. reckon? Yeah. Okay. Tons of room, and you can just kind of lounge around as uh, uh, oh, right. oh, two okay. two jump seats on the seven four, which are oh, okay. you know, which have got that lovely fur lining as well. Yeah, it's very <laughs> fur nice. lining. Okay. Good. Well done. Perhaps we should drop a line. We must be able to get you a, a flight deck visit on a. Uh, we'll, we'll try. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. <coughs> I think you'd enjoy it. Anyway, moving on. The next story uh, for you, Matt, and uh, it's uh, it's good news because it's, it's regarding a certain kind of story we've been following now for a few weeks. On yeah, the show. absolutely. So, I mean, we all know that Flyby was basically in trouble. I think we covered that story mm. when it sort of first broke. Didn't yeah. we? So, this is on the BBC website. Uh, it's good news for us actually because Flyby is one of the few airlines that actually still fly out of Norwich for us. Uh, so, Flyby rescued by Virgin and Stobart. So Flyby is being bought for 2.2 million, which doesn't seem like a lot of money. No, it doesn't, does it? For, you know, because presumably they own the airplanes as well, don't they? But anyway, Flyby is being bought for 2.2 million by a consortium, including Virgin Atlantic and Stobart Group. It will operate under the Virgin Atlantic brand, marking a return by Virgin to domestic flights. 
following a failed attempt five years ago. Uh, based in Exeter, Flybe carries around 8 million passengers a year. So the load factors aren't bad then, really, if you think think about those kind of numbers. 8 million passengers a year from airports such as Southampton, Cardiff and Aberdeen to the UK and Europe. The deal needs shareholder approval, uh, but is already backed by the board. The move comes after Flybe's profits warning back in October. Uh, shareholders in Flybe uh, will receive just one peer share and the consortium, which also includes venture capital firm Cyrus, will inject £100 million. Uh, Christine, uh, is it Omer's Widener? Apologies if I've said that incorrectly. Uh, Flybe's chief executive said the industry has been suffering from higher fuel costs, currency fluctuations, and significant uncertainties presented by Brexit. We have been affected by all of these. It's that word, isn't it? Uh, We have been affected by all of these factors, which have put pressure on short-term financial performance. She said, now, I think it is worth saying, uh, actually, before we even started going live, we were talking about fuel prices, and you were saying, actually, that prices at the pump car Diesel. Diesel especially has, has very much gone through the roof. Yes, the uh, prices of fuel have definitely um, gone up for for, yeah. car, for uh, motor vehicle fuel anyway. Yeah. And I think it's the same for uh, aviation fuel as well. But um, it is good news. We were saying as well before the show that I think it's going to be good news for the short haul market here in the mm. UK because yeah. it, it gives us a another um, well-known carrier to use. And I think it will add to the competition between... Yeah, all the other local, yeah, you know, the other smaller short haul carriers in the UK. Well, uh, Some, somebody came up with this suggestion today that the uh, airline could be rebranded Fly V. Ooh, see what they did there. I, yeah, that that could work, couldn't it? That's good. That is, I like that. It does. Uh, anyway, it says to support the ongoing operations of the airline, the consortium known as Connect Airways will initially lend £20 million to Flybe. A further £80 million will be invested in Flybe, which describes itself as Europe's largest regional airline. Connect Airways will also buy Stobart Group's a regional airline and aircraft leasing business. The group said it would create a fully-fledged UK network carrier, an opportunity for Virgin, which currently focuses on long-haul to expand in the UK. Uh, Virgin, founded by Richard Branson, abandoned attempts to run domestic flights back in 2014 through its little red airline. Virgin Atlantic is now a joint venture with Delta Airlines. Do you know what? I didn't know that. Uh, uh, yeah, so anyway, the story goes on. But, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's, it's good news, really. And uh, let's be honest, I mean, Virgin is a is a decent yeah, brand, isn't it? So hopefully, uh, you know, positive uh, positive uh, vibes can be, be felt for this. And it's great news, really, to think that Flybe has actually got the help it needs. I think that's... Uh, Saves jobs. That's yeah, the thing, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, you know, and they are, use, they are using predominantly the smaller airports, so like Southampton mm. and Norwich and or Aberdeen, not so much. But, uh, yeah, it's great to, to know that these, you know, perhaps they, if they could just work on their price a little bit. Well, that on that good. note, uh, oh, okay. looking at, as Matt said, we have uh, Flybe flights from Norwich uh, to about five or six destinations here, a um, couple in Europe and most in the, within the uh, UK. But uh, a flight from uh, Norwich uh, to Aberdeen in Scotland, because it's always nice, it's a lovely part of the country up there in Scotland. Um, how much, Matt, for a return flight just for you? Um, with your suitcase, this is with a suitcase. With a suitcase, twenty-three kilos, so it's quite generous. Uh, reserve seat, um, and also you can ref- have your refundable ticket within twenty-four hours. So, how, how much return? Just for you, and this is in the peak time. This is summertime. 
Okay, this is uh, end of July, beginning of August. Um, Just to nip up to for a week to up to Scotland. To nip up to Scotland for okay. you. All right, um, I'm going to say hundred and thirty pounds. Nev, any ideas? Oh, I'm going to go a hundred and forty-two. <laughs> well, actually, it comes in at two hundred and one pounds. Oh, blimey! Ooh. Right, okay. Yeah, I could drive for, it for uh, far less than that. Yeah. But I wonder whether with this... But ironically, it's probably still cheaper than the bloody train. Well, yes. <laughs> but whether this price will um, obviously change now with this um, this whole thing, but uh, it's interesting to see mm. what happens there. But no, food for thought there. Yeah, well, uh, you know, and good news for Flyby, I think, really. Oh, if yeah, it, if it's getting the backing from, you know, it's getting the backing from a big carrier, isn't yes. it? So that, yes. that's got to be good good news for jobs and, and, and slots. Very true. So, Nev, next story is one for you yes well we've all had a nice christmas haven't we, we? We've always we've put on a bit of weight possibly a few kilos i don't know what you mean uh, and, uh, <laughs> but i think i'd be a bit cross if i went back to work and my employer told me right nev you've been a bit of a chubber this oh. uh, <laughs> over the last uh, few days uh, you're gonna have to lose some weight well this is kind of what's gone on uh, with pakistan international airlines oh. because on the business insider .co.za it says that uh, a pakistani airline has told its crew members that if they are too overweight they soon won't be able to fly uh, Pakistan International Airlines, PIA, sent a memo to its 1,800 employees stating that any flight attendants who failed to slim down to a certain weight within six months would be grounded. The memo, which was seen by CNN, was reportedly sent on January the 1st, 2019, by PIA's general manager of flight services, uh, Amir Bashir. It reads, any crew found above £30 from the desired weight after 31st of January 2019 will be grounded and referred to Air Crew Medical Centre for medical evaluation and treatment until weight is reduced up to the desired standard or the BMI. Uh, and flight attendants who are currently £30, which is 13.6 kilos over the airline's limit, need to lose £5 a month cool. to remain eligible for flight duty according to the memo as the official excess weight limits will be reduced by this amount every month staff were reportedly also given a chart showing the different weight bands depending on their height cnn reports that the guide says a medium frame woman who is five foot seven inches which is 170 centimeters tall for example should weigh between 133 and 147 pounds that's uh, 60.3 kilos uh, to 66.6 Employees will be given regular weight checks too. Weight check of all the cabin crew will be carried out at their base stations respectively and comprehensive data will be maintained for perusal of management, the memo reads. Uh, if the grounded overweight flight airlines lose enough weight, they'll be able to fly again. But in the meantime, they'll have to report to a grooming cell every month what that that worries <laughs> that's, me that's, that's not a good well, say just, just, just somebody needs on. to look at their um, wording for that one <laughs> moving on yes <clears throat> so according to a pia spokesman who spoke to cnn the new weight limits will affect 100 crew members which is five percent of their staff and are described as a regular routine matter designed to ensure flight attendants appear slim smart and 
fit. No one would like to have shabby crew in the aircraft, he said, explaining that the ruling has the aim of improving both appearance and health of staff. The airline claims that passengers have complained about carrying cabin crew being obese over the previous year, but it did not elaborate on how many complaints had been received. It's not the first time that Airline has cracked down on the weight of its employees. In 2015, Air India banned 130 members of its cabin crew, most of whom were women, from flying because they were considered overweight. And in 2014, India's uh, civil aviation regulator ruled that female flight attendants must have a body mass index of 18 to 22 in order to be able to fly, whilst the equivalent for men was a more lenient 18 to 25. The, this gender disparity was reportedly done away with in 2018 when the BMI restrictions for both men and women were made equal. What an extraordinary story that is. It is. Now, I have to say, certainly, uh, uh, this this is not entirely uncommonplace. I think I'm speaking fairly certainly for the Middle Eastern carriers. I don't think this is unusual. Um, I'm not saying it's right by any stretch of the imagination, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, it, it's not uncommon, is it? No, and I think it's... But, of course, it's the question of how these things are handled. I mean, certainly there needs to be probably a height and weight range because that's sort of a you know prerequisite for all sorts of things, you know, yeah. being a policeman or woman or being an aircraft, what have you. But I think mm. that these sort of targets and, and this sort of thing and, and the threat of uh, not being able to fly if you don't hit the, the weight limit, um, I just think that you're you are going into very difficult territory there, and I think um, it'd be interesting to hear what the unions have to say about that as well. Really, yeah, this is this is true. It's uh, mm, yeah, I don't know. It's uh, it's a uh, tough tough uh, life uh, with Owen at the moment. I should just should just say it's. Uh, di- <laughs> I didn't know you could do this in it, where he is. You can actually. Um, Order McDonald's online. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Look at that. Okay. It's being delivered. How cool is nice. that? Is that? Is it just the UK where we can't have McDonald's delivered? Oh, I can't. No, I, I don't do think you know you what? Can, I could no. murder a big tasty right oh. now. Yeah. <laughs> no? Okay. I've just put on five stone listening to that conversation. Yeah, fair, fair enough. Okay. Yeah. The next story <laughs> is on the Mail Online website, and the headline, Norwegian, uh, becomes the first budget airline to offer free Wi-Fi for the full duration of long-haul flights. That's intriguing. So Norwegian has said it's become the first low-cost airline to launch free Wi-Fi for the full length of its long-haul flights. The service enables passengers to browse the web, check social media, and send messages using their own smartphones, tablets, and laptops at no extra cost. A premium option has an introductory price tag of $14.95 or £11.74 for three hours and is being advertised as fast enough to stream music, movies and TV. The Scandinavian carrier has begun rolling out the technology on its Boeing 787-9 Dreamliners and their 737 MAX aircraft. The first connected Dreamliner aircraft was delivered last month and more than half of the fleet is due to offer free Wi-Fi by 2020. 
Boris Bubresco, Norwegian's Vice President of Business Development, said that we are continuously improving the in-flight customer experience and are delighted to be offering the airline the first free Wi-Fi for the full duration of long-haul flights. Millions of Norwegian customers have already enjoyed free Wi-Fi over the skies of Europe and now long-haul passengers can continue to rely on free high-speed internet connectivity that will enhance and personalise their journeys. From uh, being the first European airline to launch free Wi-Fi on all short-haul flights, followed by free live television, Norwegian's rollout of high-quality in-flight broadband services will offer businesses and leisure travellers even greater value at an affordable fare. Norwegian is working uh, with wireless in-flight connectivity platform Cabin Connect by Collins Aerospace to offer the service. Lee Ann Ridgway, Vice President of Information Management Services at Collins Aerospace, said that we are collaborating with Norwegian to achieve their vision of optimizing their aircraft and enterprise operations to address both cabin and flight deck requirements, as well as adding new capabilities for the future. In-flight Wi-Fi works via an antenna fitted to each aircraft fuselage which communicates with Imarsat's GX satellite network. In the UK, Norwegian currently operates 15 non-stop uh, flights, uh, long-haul flights from London Gatwick to Austin, uh, Boston, Buenos Aires, Chicago, Denver, Las Vegas, Los Angeles and Miami. And from the 31st of March, uh, New York, Orlando, Rio de Janeiro, from the 31st of March, San Francisco from the 1st of April, uh, Seattle, Singapore and Tampa. Now I have to say free Wi-Fi, it's not very often you get the option to uh, to have something uh, free of charge. Uh, well, no, uh, that Especially is when it comes yeah. to Wi-Fi on board aircraft. Um, so that's not bad. Um, as you, think, you can pay uh, the 12, uh, 12 euros, it says on here, 95, for the faster uh, speed with the premium. But the basic package uh, should uh, give you the ability to surf the internet and, as it said, send uh, messages, which is quite good. What do you think, Nev? Yeah, I mean, of course, we're always uh, keen to know about uh, internet and how it all works. And But my experience so far of in-flight internet has been disappointing, to say the least. So I'm keen to see uh, what's going to be coming next. And I certainly don't want to pay lots of money for it no. either. So, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, you just got to, I mean, you know what happens on trains and this sort of thing when people start using, all using the internet together. So suddenly you get two or 300 people uh, doing the same thing. So, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, the technology's got to be fairly robust to, to do this, but it will be interesting to see. But I mean, bearing in mind that, you know, most people have got at least two or maybe three devices on them. So suddenly you've got, you know, up to 900 devices trying to connect uh, at the same time. But then, to, to be fair, they could do a little bit, like you said, a multi-device thing is, is a thing. I'll give you that. But, um, okay, I'm using the camping and caravan sites as an example here. But they limit it to only one device. Hmm. So you could nominate which device it was that you wanted. So whether it be your phone or your tablet um, that's connected and has the internet uh, connectivity. And I, I mean, actually, as I say, I think because uh, when we went over to to Pittsburgh, I was in I was on um, in United, and I have to say, for sending WhatsApp pictures and just sort of text backwards and forwards, it was absolutely fine. It was uh, the the fact the very fact that we're thirty thousand feet in the air and I'm sending WhatsApps to everyone. Um, that really does, you know, given, you know, I'm, 
knowing what's involved in doing that while you're in the air moving at what sort of speed roughly are you in a oh, 600 miles an hour yeah mm. absolutely doing that and i'm sending whatsapp pictures to you know the likes of owen and carlos and all that how insane is that just just like yeah. pinging pinging whatsapps to people while you're in the air so I, I i'm kind of the other way actually i don't care that it's slow the very fact that you can do it at all melts my mind and Perhaps the fact it's free is also good. Well, the free helps, yeah. yeah. Uh, admittedly, yeah. yeah, free does help. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like like Nev says, you know, when you when you've got an aircraft at the long haul, the Dreamliner, when you're you know got two hundred plus passengers, possibly all with their tablets um, streaming, or, you know, on uh, the websites and stuff, it would be interesting to see just what the speeds do then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Nev, moving on to the next story. Uh, yes, indeed, and. Um uh, this is interesting. Uh, it's actually it's supposed to be on... my story, isn't it? Oh, it's... oh sorry. Is it... <laughs> sorry. Yes, that, but that sorry. was fine. You, you may have noticed I wasn't fully prepared. No, oh, indeed, yeah. which is most unlike Nev. <laughs> there should have been an alarm bell ringing there immediately. Uh, anyway, uh, nearly I'll got you. What, shall I take this one? You take this uh, one, Right, man. so this is on the Flight Global website, and the headline is, uh, so United's, uh, United is the first airline to operate all three 787 variants. So United Airlines... Mm. Uh, first Boeing 787-10 has entered revenue service, making the Chicago-based carrier the first to operate all three variants in the 787 family. The airline uh, debuted the 787-10 on service from Los Angeles to Newark today. United currently has 40 787s in its fleet, comprising 12 787-8s, 25 787-9s and 3 787-10s. Uh, flight fleets analyzer shows um, that it has another 13 787-9s and 11 787-10s on order. The Star Alliance carrier says its second 787-10 will enter service in February on its route between San Francisco and Newark. International flights with a 787-10 will begin in March with service from Newark to Frankfurt and Tel Aviv initially. United 787-10 seats. Uh, 318 passengers in three classes. Besides United, only two other carriers hold orders for all three variants of the 787 family. Fleet's analyzer shows. Uh, is it Al Nippon Airways and British Airways? There we are. Oh, BA. Well, there we are, Nev. Yes, they're getting a dash 10 too. Yeah, yes, very exciting. So, so somebody explain to me because I, I don't quite, I, I, I dare say I've asked this question again, so apologies uh, if I'm repeating myself. But uh, so, what is the difference? Is it so the, between the 787, the dash 8, the dash 9, and the dash 10? Is it basically just a configuration or is it got different engines or is the hull different? I mean, how does it, what, what is the difference between the various 787 dashes? I don't know the exact details, but they, it's usually to do with capacity, range, um, and that sort of thing. So okay. uh, the, the bigger the number at the end, usually, uh, the, the higher capacity and uh, probably the greater range as well. Um, so uh, it, that, that's why airlines do different variants of uh, different aircraft, because not, not all of the airlines need the same kind of configuration. And often um, some of the uh, uh, airlines themselves will do their own configuration in, in terms of seat layout. Right. Okay. And that that doesn't that doesn't then give it another dash number. It's just they'll, they'll run no, out of dashes. So. A build number, <laughs> I would right. imagine. Okay. Um, yeah. So you you get things like you know um, what is it seven three seven 
436 or um, a a319131 I think it is something like that so yeah uh, but um, no they they um, there's always variants to deal with different types of route uh, different requirements uh, whether it's a high density route for example for people or whether they need to carry more cargo on certain sectors so yeah normally the, the, the bigger the number at the end the larger the aircraft right okay there's a slight, slight, there's quite a stretch between the difference in length between the 787-8. Okay. Um, you've got, um, well, it will hold 242 passengers, whereas the Dash 10 um, can go up to 310 passengers. Gosh, right, um, okay. Yeah, so it's uh, quite a bit longer, the Dash 10. Um, still yet to fly on one of those. Flown on the Dash 8 and the Dash 9, but uh, a lovely aircraft to fly on. Very nice indeed. So next story is on the USA Today website and uh, uh, maybe we could give that one to Nev seeing as oh that yeah is Nev <laughs> sorry I'm miles away here away <laughs> with the fairies all out of sequence today and, uh, yeah what is the matter with you yeah. honestly boy actually <laughs> Nev this this one is actually very very good for you because um um, it's quite a techie kind of uh, Ooh, good. story. This yeah, time, yeah, and actually, I like this story because it it, uh, it asks lots of questions, which um, we may not have answers to. But let, let's Ooh. give it a go anyway. Okay. Um, and it, the headline says, "Ask the captain why haven't black boxes been replaced by streaming technology?" Good the question is, why are airlines still using fifty-plus-year-old black boxes, which many times after unfortunate crashes cannot be found? or are damaged when the technology currently exists to transmit all uh, the same cockpit data and voice information in real time via satellite communications. The answer, whilst technically possible, there are significant issues with real time upstreaming of data. Who owns the data and what can it be used for? And can it be hacked? The digital flight data and cockpit voice recorders have proven to be very successful over the decades and there is reluctance to lose this proven technology. You refer to many times the recorders uh, do not provide data. The number of such cases is very, very low. They may come a time when real-time uploading of data is used, but the unresolved issues and costs have so far kept the industry relying on the proven technology of recorders. So the other question is, is why is the black box still on the plane? If the plane is not recovered, then the data on board is lost. Surely these days it should be possible to transmit this data to ground stations en route. Well, although it's feasible to stream data, the storage and bandwidth requirements are significant. It's much more expensive and there are serious legal issues that remain unresolved. Other than Malaysian Airlines Flight 370, airplanes involved in serious incidents or accidents have been found. The use of recorders has been very effective for a long time. In the relatively near future, uh, airplane positions will be known all around the world as dependable satellite coverage increases, making recovery even more likely. Um, and uh, another question here, with all the redundancies on modern aircraft, while they're not duplicate back, uh, black boxes, uh, flight data recorder and cockpit voice recorders located in the front and the rear of the plane? The answer to that is the regulators have not found a need to carry the extra weight. The cockpit voice recorders and the digital flight data recorders have proven tough and provided data even after damage by impact forces or fire. Uh, there is a redundancy by having two recorders and the other issue is cost. What they don't talk about in this uh, article is of course uh, a lot of the engine manufacturers for example are able to get real-time information coming back from the aircraft uh, certainly Rolls-Royce do and I'm sure the other mm. manufacturers do mm. uh, which shows 
those engine trends and that kind of stuff. So in, uh, in the case of Rolls-Royce, there's a whole bank of information going on up there, Derby HQ, where they're manufactured, um, which does enable them to interrogate uh, the aircraft's situation with regard to what the engines are doing. So that's not, you know, that, that technology has been, been around for quite some time. Mm. It's very useful from a maintenance point of view, so they can flag up with the airline if they're seeing any nasty trends. Uh, Tony's actually said in the chat room here, he's, he's saying uh, the CVR capacity uh, surprises me. They're always getting overwritten. Yes, and uh, of course, in the old days, it used to be a, an endless loop tape. Mm. Um, but of course, you know, these days you've got, if you if they wanted to, you could have as much storage capacity as you wanted to because oh, yeah. it's very cheap. Yeah. Uh, even military-grade storage is, is relatively inexpensive um, and it wouldn't add much to the weight. So I don't know why they don't have longer um, uh, uh, recording um, ability on board. Um, and I think there are... So there's a lot of protocol with regard to when you can reset or overwrite the cockpit data as well. So uh, I don't know the details about that, but I would imagine mm. that's uh, there's set protocol for each airline about how they go about uh, recording and erasing the data. Um, I mean, going back to what you what we it was mentioned in the story in the story before about the talk of possible hacking. I mean, is that really a th an issue? I mean, I ca you know one of the concerns about the data being um, transmitted is sort of. I mean, realistically, what what are they going to be able to do with that information? Uh, you know, I mean, essentially, it's just a data stream. I mean, it's. I I mean, yeah, yes, it could be interrupted, couldn't it? And you know, but I, yeah. I think the trouble is what we have to realise now is that because we've all had situations from you know Facebook hacks to email hacks to mm. password hacks, um, if you start you know, multiplying all those potential problems up, you know, in into the you know, big commercial world, that starts to become a, a big problem very quickly. Having said all that, of course. What are we doing every day of the week? We're buying our stuff from Amazon Line with our credit cards, and we don't seem to have mm. any problem with it. But uh, I, I think that there's always, uh, you know, that there's good resilience for, for hacking and, and that kind of stuff. But of course, as we know, that when you're trying to look after these situations, you're always going to be in a situation where you're one or two steps behind the people that want to do you harm, unfortunately. So, yeah. Uh, they, they they do their very best, but inevitably there's going to be some difficulty. But I mean, you you, you could combine the two if you see what I mean. So where you've still got the black box as as we know it, um, it is streaming the data so that the 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 feed can be monitored. But also, uh, in the unlikely event of the feed being interrupted, you say as a result of hackers, it can be readily made available by locating the black box as they do now. I mean that. that I don't know. I, I I just feel that they could uh, they could you know get a lot more information by literally streaming it. Um, I think there's a lot of things that they could do to improve the uh, the technology that you know of the yeah. recording of flight deck sort of monitoring stuff like that. Mm. And I think a lot of it boils down to cost. Mm. Um, I think, which is a shame. Um, yeah. But I'm sure they, they're, there's there's something that could be done. Um, that's a lot cheaper than the you know the the avenues that they're going down. But um, I mean these the black boxes that are used on the aircraft now. Um, I mean they're fairly you know, yeah. old technology as such. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, we moving we've, on. We've, we've we can, we should move on. Yeah. Yes, the next story is on, it's actually yours, Carlos. This I know. Time. Next I story is it. on <laughs> the uh, iol. dot co. dot za. Okay. Hmm. What's that za? That's New Zealand, isn't it? No. 
South Africa. South Africa. South Africa. Yeah. Ooh, okay. And uh, we often uh, have good news stories about uh, you know the Middle East big carriers such as Emirates being you know top of the game, bigger the league, you know big league car- uh, players. But this story is uh, all about Qatar. Uh, airline and the headline airline looks back at a tremendously successful 2018 mm-hmm. in anticipation of a successful 2019 qatar airways uh, celebrated a successful year of robust network expansion new aircraft deliveries and groundbreaking go uh, global sports sponsorship agreements uh, qatar airways group chief executive his excellency mr akbar al baker said that uh, our achievements in 2018 Prove that Qatar Airways, or Qatar Airways, has not wavered from its strategy and vision of constant growth and development in order to provide our passengers the finest onboard experience every time they travel. We have demonstrated that we'll be not rest in, uh, in our determination to push the boundaries in redefining the travel experiences of each and every one of our customers. So in uh, a350-1000 in February uh, last year, the airline took delivery of the A350-1000 as the global launch customer of the world's most technologically advanced aircraft. The new A350-1000 went to full commercial service on the airline's Doha-London route, on which the A350-900 uh, and the A380 and the 777 and the Dreamliner already operate, offering six flights daily between Qatar and the United Kingdom. Uh, in the same month, the airline announced it would upgraded five of its current order of the A350-900s to the high-capacity Dash 1000s. Uh, the airline has already taken delivery of 35 A350 aircraft, 29 of the Dash 900, and six of the Dash 1000, from a total order of 76 A350s. Blimey, Airbus must be clapping their hands. Uh, route expansion, so one of the f- world's fastest growing airlines, Qatar Airways, launched the host of exciting new destinations in 2018, including Cardiff here in the UK, uh, Canberra, Australia, Mombasa in Kenya, Gothenburg in Sweden, uh, Denang in Vietnam, and Thessaloniki in Greece as well. And the airline also launched seasonal services to Mykonos in Greece, uh, Bodrum and Antalya in Turkey, and Malaga in Spain. The airline also also added a host of new frequencies to several popular destinations, including Montreal, the Maldives, mm, love it there, Bangkok, Phuket, Ho Chi Minh City, Hanoi, Amman, Muscat, uh, Helsinki, Madrid, Barcelona, Rome, Milan, Vienna, Oslo, Copenhagen, Manchester, and Zurich. Uh, 2018 was also a big year for cargo for the airline. Uh, with cargo volumes increasing by 10.6% in 2018 compared to 2017. Uh, the highlight has been to launch the Trans-Pacific Services direct from Macau Los Angeles, uh, to Los Angeles and Mexico City, and the new freighter service demonstrates the carrier's commitment to customers in helping their businesses grow, offering them reduced flight times and quicker services without the stopover in Doha. The cargo carrier bagged two prestigious awards in 2018, International Cargo Airline of the Year, at the Air Cargo India event and Best Air Cargo Carrier Middle East and Asian Freight Logistics and Supply Chain Awards. These awards recognize the carrier's continued drive to emphasize in delivering highest levels of service in the air cargo industry. Two brand new 777 freighters joined the cargo fleet, bringing the total figure of freighters in the fleet to 25. Now, I've only flown with Qatar once, and that was quite a few years back now, but... Um, yeah, it was. Uh, they're really a really good airline. 
to to fly it was an old 330 that i flew on so it's probably not a good comparison as to uh what the 350s and stuff are like now but um they're definitely um you know one of the one of the opposite way we all know one of the big middle east three uh carries have, have you ever flown qatar never you no i haven't actually no. i haven't flown any oh sorry um so i did yes i did fly uh, an a330 uh back from dubai in 2006 it was yes uh that was actually in the cheap seats it was really quite nice i can't really complain at all actually very very good service nice nice folks hmm yeah, yeah. So moving on to the next story, yeah. and Matt, this one, uh, I thought this one was a good one for you because you are a lover of the live music scene, mm-hmm. being, Although I have being to an say, ex-publican. I have to say, the one thing that makes me very nervous about this uh, story is I hope they're not using the in-flight PA, but uh, more will become <laughs> apparent in a moment because the quality would just drive me bananas. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so this is on the, the Channel News Asia website. Uh, it says channelnewsasia.com, and the headline is in Jakarta. So Indonesian national carrier, uh, is it Garada? Garuda, yeah. Garuda. Garuda. Is it Garuda or Garuda? Garuda. Garuda, okay, is bringing music to the skies with a series of live acoustic concerts on domestic flights, the airline said. So passengers will be serenaded at 35,000 feet in a scheme aimed at wooing millennials who want a different flight experience. Uh, Airline spokesman... who I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce, has told AFP. The carrier held its first in-flight concert on Wednesday, that's the 9th of January, when two musicians performed for a captive audience aboard a flight between the capital Jakarta and the holiday island of Bali. Uh, So Garuda said that uh, sets, sorry, Garuda said sets would last 10 to 15 minutes on selected flights and there would be a focus on promoting upcoming talent. While it may prove an unforgettable flying experience for some, it may not be to everyone's idea of a good time. In 2017, US airline Southwest introduced live shows on some flights to a mixed reaction from passengers. Uh, some travellers said they preferred minimum human interact- interaction, that's where I'd be, um, while flying and said music would distract them from sleeping or reading. Indonesia is one of the world's fastest growing aviation markets, but it has come under fresh scrutiny since a fatal Lion Air crash in October last year that killed all 189 people on board. Uh, Garuda said that it had embarked on extensive consultation to ensure the constants posed no threat to safety or security. If there is the potential of turbulence the signal the singer will be directed to sit back in his chair rosen said how do we feel about this live nev? Mu- I, I, nev what do you reckon live music on aircraft uh, well I, yeah, i'm going to be a bit boring here <laughs> and say because i'm of a certain age now it wouldn't really, really suit me but but the youngsters might like it yeah, and as I say, and I'm sure you will agree with me, Nev, I certainly hope they're not using the in-flight PA as a way of... What, and those fantastic around. speakers? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> just, you know, the ones where you can barely understand the captain, let alone dealing with, you know, acoustic oh, live sets and, and stuff. Have you ever wondered why, just why, uh, you know, aircraft speaker systems are so poor? Yes. Because they are, aren't they? When have you ever been on an airline and thought, God, that's really crisp and clear and... 
perfect sound. actually you see the, the front end this is what i don't understand um i know it's all about weight saving and cost and all the rest of it but you can buy in our industry where i work you can buy some exceptionally high quality you know in ceiling type speakers mm. but not very much money at all peanuts, and, and the clarity peanuts. is really superb mm. um but and obviously with a, a nice you know little amplifier to, to drive yep. them all properly it, it should work okay but yeah so often uh, the quality of the PA in terms of the audio quality yeah. is shocking, yeah. isn't it? And, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And yet, you, weirdly, you know, as you say, everything's moved on so so rapidly. You'd have thought in this day and age that uh, actually that it would be, it wouldn't cost them very much money. It probably costs them more money to get the antiquated, out of date speaker systems <laughs> that that we have become so used to on on our, our in flight yeah. PAs. It probably costing them a small fortune. But then the other question is is perhaps they're using it because it is the only uh, system that has perhaps met certain criteria uh, when it comes to you know crash testing quality. and things no no not sound quality but I'm, so, so in the in the same way that I think until very recently they were still using DX266 chip processors on things like um, like the spacecrafts and things like that mm. because it was the only thing that had been tested to meet um, the standards required. I mean, it, could it be something as simple as that? I mean, when you look back sort of millions of years ago with car speakers, the cones were made, of, years ago. Thanks were made for of paper. Me beautifully. You know, you know when you used to take a, pe- a speaker out of your old your cars and stuff, and they were, yeah. the cones were made of paper. Mm. And, you know, I, I, I honestly, some of the, I think one of the worst ones that I can remember, remember was uh, one of Virgin Atlantic 330s that we flew on. Okay. And the, the speaker system was so bad that you you, could you knew they were speaking. Yeah. You know, the, flight, the flight crew was speaking, but you could not understand a single word they were saying. And I mean, actually, Nev, seriously, from a safety point of view, bearing in mind, obviously, they do the flight demo and everything, usually through that same PA system. Surely, uh, you know, clarity is That key. should be paramount. That should be the thing that, make, make, you know, should be perfect. Yeah. yeah, and I think that when you're, uh, I think I, I don't know who uh, who are the manufacturers for most of the um, speakers used in, in aircraft, for example. But it's not just about the the quality of the speaker itself; it's about the the the, the, uh, the sound volume itself mm. and and how it's distributed mm. uh, through the cabin. But yeah, these are safety critical things. So you would have thought uh, that mm. you know, sound quality was the the ultimate goal for all yeah. this, but uh, so often uh, we're all a bit disappointed. And I've we? had. Uh, when I when I did my um, flight, um, what was I in? I was I was it was United, wasn't it? Uh, that I was flying with, and I'd taken with me um, this set that uh, Nev very kindly gave me. These lovely Shaw uh, earpieces, and I had it plugged into the um, the in you know the in flight entertainment system and the film and everything was absolutely fine but as soon as the because the PAs override don't they yeah, what, whatever yeah. it is that you're listening to in your in your earpiece <laughs> and it was, and it was like still awful <laughs> yeah so you know it, it could be just something as simple like they're using a phone you know to, 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 to do it I, I, I don't know it just seems mm. so you know as you say, when decent AV equipment is so cheap these days, Neil, Neil Lamborn in the chat room said that the PA, sy- uh, PA system in his distribution centre is completely unintelligible unless you're in the canteen or the toilets. Oh, okay. In the toilets? <laughs> okay. Well, you know, oh, that's where dear. you want to be most comfortable, of course. Anyway, yeah, perhaps if there's any um, anyone out there in within the industry itself in the aviation industry, perhaps you could drop us a line and yeah, tell us just why, us why just why the speakers are so mm. rubbish. Indeed. Indeed. Anyway, we, we've spent far too much time on this particular topic. Uh, Nev, so, I think uh, it's uh, your go next. Yes. 
It is, and uh, I think we've got a, a top five. Oh no. oh no! Oh, I'm not prepared for that. See, this is where which is where I should have read more further into my uh, show notes. Oh, oh, you, oh you haven't read the show notes. Oh. Uh, 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 hang on, hang on. I'm on surprise, it. Surprise! Surprise! Yeah. The unexpected hits, <laughs> hits you, you between, between the eyes. eyes. <laughs> okay, so but it's all right. I can, I, I'm really good at this. I can. So I what's can do what's this while Matt's doing that? Uh, yeah. Nev, what's this top five all about? Well, of course, it's on the sun.co.uk where we all go for all of our a of course, information. Yes. And it says, up, up and away, the world's busiest airports by passenger traffic. Travelling the world has never been more accessible as airports are continually expanding. And travelling the world uh, is, uh, uh, sorry, as airports are continuously expanding and growing to accommodate more passengers and airlines. We explain what the five busiest airports by passenger traffic are based on civil aviation data analysis, half-year figures for 2018. So we sh because there's a top five, we should start with number five, really, shouldn't we? We should, yes, absolutely. And hopefully, if I press all the right buttons... Yay! <laughs> so come on, Matt, bring us in. In five! So at number five, uh, it is Tokyo Haneda Airport. Uh, for the first half of 2018, 41 million wow. 60,000 passengers travelled through the airport, and it's the third busiest airport in Asia. Uh, in four. Los Angeles International Airport. For the first half of 2018, 42,380,000 passengers travelled through the Californian airport. It's the US's second busiest airport, and it's the largest and busiest international airport on the US West Coast. In three. Now, I thought this would have been the biggest one. But anyway, number three, Dubai International ah. Airport. For the first half of 2018, 43,740,000 passengers travel through the Middle Eastern airport. And the airport is the sixth busiest cargo airport in the world. Wow. In two. And for the first half of 2018, it's Beijing Capital International Airport with 49,380,000 passengers that travelled through the Chinese uh, capital. Uh, the airport has become Asia's busiest airport for passengers since 2009. And since 2012, it's become the 13th busiest airport for world cargo traffic. And Bully Special Prize! Yes, at number one, it's an airport that I really want to try and go to at some point in my life. It's Hartfield Jackson Atlanta International Airport. For the first half of 2018, 52,640,000 passengers travel through the Southern Airport. The airport is named uh, two of Atlanta's former mayors, Mayor uh, William B. Hartsfield and Maynard Jackson. It has 209 domestic and international gates and has five parallel runways. Also known as Atlanta Airport, it's been the world's busiest airport for passengers traffic since the year 2000. And more importantly, it's a hub for Delta Airlines. Okay, mm. that's fantastic. Great news, yes. 52 million, man. That's a very, that's a very large... That's a lot of people. Yeah, that is a lot of people, isn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. it's a lot of um, crusty yeah. creme donuts. And... You certainly don't get a lot of that many at Norwich. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving swiftly on. Um, so that brings the commercial news segment to a close. Hope you all enjoyed that, the big stories this week. Uh, so uh, up next, then, we're going to hand things over to uh, Nev to introduce the very special part of the show. Yes, well, you've been listening to the Richard, Richard John's interviews, hopefully, with us over the last uh, 
five weeks or so and uh, this is the final part of the excellent interview that captain nick did with sir richard johns and sir richard talks about his final years in the air force and how the government budget cuts had affected the strategic operations you left the air force in better humor than when you uh your post i should say uh uh, in the Air Force in better humour than when you arrived? No, not really. There was little you could do? Yes. The, the, there were an awful lot of things that you, you could do, which I, I think I did. Um, I mean, an example. I mean, I mean, I mean just, just one little example of the things. I mean, I, I, I've obviously felt very, very strongly about the manpower problems in the Air Force, because everything that we did, I, we did a, a sort of a future strategy day for, for the Air Force in, in my last year. And w when you look, did you do a SWOT analysis, which you no doubt are familiar with, you know, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats, and so on. Everything came back to the simple fact that the greatest strength in the Royal Air Force was its people, the quality of the men and women in the service. And if we did nothing else, we had to protect that quality within the Air Force, and that meant not just retaining people, so we, we didn't lose the, the, the vast amount of experience, the technical experience, the operational experience, because people were going uh, too soon, but that we actually attracted similar quality people into the Air Force, and that was hugely important. And then when you looked around what the Air Force was doing, and particularly a bee in my bonnet, was that when I went round the service, a number of places in the officer structure, and particularly in, in the ground branches, you found warrant officers were doing the jobs that were, should have been filled by junior officers. Why? Because we couldn't recruit them. So why weren't the warrant officers being commissioned and so on, well, as opposed to going out at various stages? And I had seen this happen in the army. In the army, you know, it, it went, if you were suitable for commissioning, warrant officers got commissioned very quickly. And so I said, we're going to do this in the Air Force. Uh, I see absolutely no reason why we shouldn't fast track. Well, I remember people saying, but, you know, we're, we're going to get a second-class officer in the Royal Air Force. And I said, good, because I know too many third-class officers, etc., which <laughs> kill one, one argument, slight exaggeration. But the, the thing was, they were saying, well, they, they aren't volunteering. And I said, but, well, for Christ's sake, you know, if you were a warrant officer, let's say age 35, who had been uh, done really well to get to get his royal warrant at, at that age? Are you going to go to Cranwell and then submit yourself to initial officer training when you've got sergeants yelling at you, who only you know, a couple of days before were calling you sir and so on? I said it's just not human nature. Why should they have to do this? And particularly if they're already doing an officer's job. So we're going to have fast tracking of warrant officers in, in the air force. Uh, that's precisely what happened. And uh, I do remember very clearly going up to Cranwell. Uh, I, I said, one well, thing I did throw my toys out of the cot about, I said, it's got to be done in a weekend. Oh, oh wow. Oh, yeah. I said, that, no, they, they go to Cranwell on a Friday, give them their uniforms, turn them out Queen's regulations or whatever, and kick them out on Monday, and they, they're flight lieutenants straight away. Well, and then someone came back and said, we need an extra day. And I said, what's that for? And they said, sword drill. And I went, I went and then it went bonkers. Um, anyway, so that was kicked out. And basically, I forget, it was a little bit longer. It was about four or five days. 
And uh, I went up for the first commissioning of these chats, which we you know, gave them a, a nice scroll. And, and so, in fact, I knew a couple of them from the past. But the interesting thing was, I mean, they were very... In fact, a couple of them ended up as wing commanders. Um, the interesting thing was, it was their wives. And their wives, almost without exception, were professional women. They were teachers, uh, nurses and things like that. And their pleasure at seeing their husbands have an extension of service, well, not an extension of service, because they'd have stayed in the Air Force as a warrant officer at age 55 if they wanted to. But then completely new avenue of advancement opening up in front of them within the Royal Air Force, that to me was the greatest reward. So you could do things. But getting back to your question about leaving the Air Force, did I feel happier? I felt very happy and I felt very proud to have done the job and to have had this great privilege of being the professional head of the service. But the Air Force that I left uh, in 2000, uh, it wasn't as operationally good, I thought, as the one that uh, I inherited, um, simply because the rate of technology was advancing so quickly that we couldn't keep up with it because we, we, we knew what to do, but we didn't have the money to do it. And as I left, uh, well, several months before I left, all the signs were there for another big raid on the defence budget. Did it occur? Yes. Um, I, I can remember very clearly that at an Air Force Board Standing Committee meeting early in uh, the year 2000, VCDS, Vice Chief of the Defence Staff, uh, Admiral Sir Peter Abbott, who was a great chum of mine, we had, we had suffered during the Not Defence Review together, and we had been at RCDS together, and uh, Admiral um, Lackham came down to see us to brief us on further savings that were required from the defence budget. And it wasn't just further savings. We were under pressure at the time. We had to produce 2% uh, efficient, so-called efficiency savings, and that was going to go up to 3%. Uh, well, it didn't sound very much, but in terms of the money that you got, it was a lot of money. And I thought, here we go again. Yeah, very sad. Yeah. Your book is, uh, is fascinating, and it's very rare that we get a chance to pick the mind of someone who's been in the most senior ranks of the Air Force, and yet has a background that goes way back to aviation in the first generation uh, of jet fighters. So thank you very much indeed for writing the book. Uh, it, it's lovely. I very much enjoyed reading it. And thank you very much indeed for talking to us about it today. Well, thank you very much indeed. Much enjoyed our chat. There's no doubt that Sir Richard Johns had a most illustrious career, which took him from an officer cadet at RAF Cranwell to the highest ranking officer in the Royal Air Force. Along the way, he flew the very first generation of jet fighters, progressing to one of my favorites, the Hawker Hunter, and onto the most remarkable aircraft ever to fly, the Harrier. He describes many of his more daring exploits in amusing detail, some of which will make your eyebrows rise. In addition, the recollections of his time as a flying instructor with one very special student are great. His career took off in more ways than one and he forged through to some great posts as a squadron commander, station commander and then up into the highest echelons of command. Whilst many of us will prefer to read about his flying exploits, it's also interesting to hear about the life of those who achieve air rank and end up in the exotic and difficult job of dealing with a government 
intent on paring down the size of the service that he so obviously loves. This book may well have a place on the shelves of both aviation enthusiasts and senior politicians alike. Nev. I think we yeah. should be a round of applause, really, for Nev <laughs> and Captain Nick as yeah, well, absolutely. because that has been a fantastic set of interviews. Honestly, Nev, that was the production quality was just, well, it was 8K. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And, uh, but at the end of the day, you know, as I've said before, it's all about the content. I'm yep. just pointing the cameras and, yep. uh, doing the editing but uh, nick's contribution oh incredible fantastic. yeah absolutely. well done nick yeah absolutely so richard's story is uh, marvelous so uh, he mentioned a few things there that are in the book but he also mentioned a few things that aren't as well yeah. so that's uh, that's what made it even yeah more absolutely and uh, for those of you seriously anybody who has missed uh, any of the episodes uh, of this uh, you will find them all on our youtube channel it is seriously where if you are into your military or aviation in general frankly it is a fascinating chat all six parts will now be available from tonight and uh, yeah uh, there's there's also a little playlist actually which will enable you to watch all of them uh, in sequence uh, from start to finish yeah Jonathan Warner just put in the chat room actually Matt that uh, would it be possible to release an episode 251.5 with the in interview in its entirety I'm sure we can do that Nev what do you reckon Yes, we've got it all yeah. there. So, yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, yes, that's no problem at all. I've just got to upload uh, episode six yep. later on, and then we're yeah, all done. Indeed, as I say, it will, it will it already exist in the, in the form of a playlist, uh, uh, Jonathan. So, yeah. uh, just literally click on the playlist, and it will run all of the episodes back to back for you. Um, but I mean, so. I, I, I was just saying before we start the show, and I, I watched the, the um, episode six today, mm. and um, I'm, I'm probably going to go back and watch the entire lot yeah, again. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, me too. One actually. after the other, because, yeah. like I said, it was it was so but, good. Uh, uh, but I think actually, yeah, I think we should. You know, I think Jonathan's right. So we'll we'll perhaps re release a two five one point five uh, as audio only as well. Yeah, um, um, good idea. Just release it as a because we do have the space. So uh, mm. let let's release it as a as sort of like a point five episode in its entirety. Yeah. What a so, great idea! Thank yeah. you, Jonathan. Well done. Well done, yeah. and uh, yeah, hope you all have enjoyed those. Uh, yeah, episodes. I, I, I'm going to miss it. I really yeah, I know. Gonna miss it. Yeah, what are we going to do next week? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Nev talks to President Putin. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, absolutely. Although on the plus side, next week we do have our very first episode uh, from Pilot Pip, so that will yes. be a very Pip's fascinating. Back. Yeah, Pip is back with yeah, a very back. special episode for us. So uh, that is what we'll be uh, replacing. Uh, well, not replacing because you can't replace it. It's been an amazing series, but that is what we'll be featuring next week. So, uh, as we said, Jonathan Warner is uh, just mentioned that good idea. And uh, on that note, Jonathan Warner, we have got some military aviation news. So, uh, if uh, everyone is ready to rock and roll, yep, ready for the grey. Let's yep. go. Here we go. So 
So the first story this week in the military news, and it's on Flight Global, and it's a tanker story, because we love a tanker story. A bit like what David Vanderhoff does on uh, the Airplane mm. Geeks. Anyway, the uh, headline, Russia's improved Aleutian 78 tanker makes flying start. So the improved United Aircraft Aleutian uh, IL-78M90A tanker commenced factory flight testing with a debut sortie conducted from Avistar SP production site in Yulanovsk in late last month. Key changes implemented with the updated model include new wings uh, with increased fuel capacity and PERM PS90A76 engines in common with the 90A version of the Aleutian 76 transport aircraft. In addition to delivering improved fuel efficiency, these will also reduce the tanker's takeoff distance as well, despite an increase in maximum takeoff weight. Besides its enhanced tanker performance, UAC notes that the new model can be reconfigured for use as a transport by removing its additional onboard fuel tanks as well. The Dash 90A also has new navigation systems uh, that will enable it to operate in international airspace in accordance with civilian requirements. Following the completion of its current flight test phase, the Aleutian 78M90A will be transferred for state trials from Zhukovsky Airfield near Moscow. Moscow has previously outlined an intention to acquire 31 of the new generation tankers and fleets analyze of records the Russian Air Force is having 20 Aleutian 78s in current use. These age between 27 and 33 years old. Now it's good to note on that story that they're improving the uh, the kind of the computer systems the in the aircraft um, and um, obviously the in enhancements with um, navigation systems and stuff. Because if any of you have seen the flight deck pictures mm. of uh, these aircraft, um, I'll tell you what, Matt, <laughs> you think dials and switches are a lot yeah. on, on old aircraft? These have got dials yeah. and switches in bucket loads. Yeah, I bet. And um, yeah, this, it's definitely um, a master, I think, to fly these, uh, these Russian aircraft. But uh, I'll tell you what, they're built to last, though. Yeah, I bet they are. So next story. Yeah, uh, Neville, I wonder if I could trouble you to perhaps load up the next story for me because there's some cracking pictures that, that are on this story which I'd like to show, actually. So if yes, I could trouble you to, to open it's on, that It's one. on the Flight Global website, which we like, and I like it because it's got a nice font. and It's, yeah, it's nice and easy to read, isn't it? <laughs> Do you know what? There is a slim possibility that there is some actual quality journalism in this particular publication. It's on Flight Global. Because so the, sto be... the stories are well, usually accurate, which is very refreshing. Place to go for good content. And... Yeah. Uh, this is a good one because it's got some great pictures with it as well. And it says that Saab's second Global Eye uh, makes flight debut for the UAE. And this uh, Saab's second order of three Global Eye surveillance aircraft on order for launch customer the United Arab Emirates completed a two hour, 54 minute debut from its Linköping site in Sweden on the 3rd of January. Uh, using a Bombardier uh, Global 6000 long range business jet as its basis, uh, the Global Eye system combined a Saab. Uh, REI ER active electronically scanned array radar mounted above the fuselage with a Leonardo Sea Spray 7500E maritime search radar 
electro-optical infrared sensor and electronic warfare equipment. With several onboard stations for mission system operators, the platform will be capable of performing simultaneous airborne early warning, maritime and ground surveillance duties. The UAE announced an order for two Global Eye platforms at the Dubai Air Show in November 2015 before subsequently committing to buying a third example. Carrying the registration, uh, Sierra Echo Romeo Mike Zulu, and having collected flight test data during, during its first sortie, uh, the program's second aircraft got airborne less than 10 months after Saab's lead example, which made its debut in March 2018. Saab has not disclosed when the Rolls-Royce uh, BR710 powers type is due to be delivered to the UAE. Well, what a fantastic looking aircraft it is it's, got, it's mm. got a sort of a handle you can pick it up yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I also suspect that the interior seeing, mm. seeing as it was an ex um uh, business jet. Business jet. I suspect mm. the interior perhaps isn't as glorious as it once was. If it's you know, <laughs> when I um, when I worked in Sweden in, in Linköping, which is just uh, very close to it's it's halfway between Gothenburg and Stockholm. So I, I worked there for sort of ten or eleven years on and off, and uh, our office was very close to uh, the Saab City Airport, which is where the Saab uh, military base is as well. And the noise of some of these aircraft oh, really? going off the runway was just unbelievable. So uh, yeah. I've got a sort of a, a soft spot for, for that part of the world, certainly. But it looks an incredible aircraft, doesn't it? Really it does. certainly does. Yeah, it really does. It's uh, it's a beautiful bit a bit of kit. It's um, well, I, I mean, it's, it's, uh, the, air, the uh, it always amazes me though. And I know we, we've spoke about this before. But how does it fly with all the yeah, bits on exactly, it? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. With this ridiculous growth on the on its head, how does it fly? Mm. I mean, it's, I can't get my head around it. I really can't. It must it must have a real impact on it on mm. its ability. You know, on the handling of the aircraft in the same way that if you put a massive thing on the roof of your car, it would go round corners and, and over bridges <laughs> yeah. differently. But uh, anyway, perhaps you can try it with the coach, mate. No. Okay. Next story is on the. This Air is a Force nice technology. story. Yeah. I think this is really good. Well, it isn't, it, and it isn't, and I'll, 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 I'll explain what. Controversial. I mean. No, no, it's not no. controversial. What bothers me is that in 2019. This is still a thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is yeah. more what annoys me, because at the end of the day, if you are qualified and capable of doing it, it shouldn't matter what... Uh, I you're... thought you were going to be angry with the font. No, no. well, the font, yes, it's, it's challenging. Actually, anyway. they could have done better with the font on, on this yeah, one. I've said never. I couldn't agree more. And I'm the one that's reading it, so wish me luck. First female uh, F-35 test pilot completes flight mission testing. This is on the Air Force Technology website. Uh, the US Air Force, the USAF, has reached a milestone as Major Rachel Winecki... Uh, became the first female F-35 test pilot to lead and complete an F-35 Lightning II fighter jet mission. The mission, which was completed at the Edwards Air Force Base in California on the 14th of December 2018, signifies an increasing presence of women in the United States Air Force test missions. Uh, Winecki of the 461st Flight Test Squadron uh, said, I may be the first female developmental test pilot in the F-35, but test Test pilots are just one small part of the test enterprise. I am grateful for the women who have broken barriers previously. They've built the path. Uh, I look forward to the day when sorties like this are a regular occurrence, and I couldn't agree with her more on that particular statement. Uh, she added that although it is a field traditionally dominated by men, the number of females in aviation, and particularly in the United States Air Force test flight test 
progress process is starting to increase and that there are now several female test directors test conductors discipline engineers and flight test engineers in the 461st squadron commander of the 461st uh, squadron uh, lieutenant colonel tucker hamilton said uh, that major winecki was selected to become an f-35 test pilot based on her exceptional flying ability and the important voice she brings to the f-35 development as a prior a-10 thunderbolt pilot oh that's interesting uh, according to winecki her experience of the a-10 mission sets such as close air support combat search and rescue and forward air controller can be uh, applied to the 461st uh, fleet of f-35 jets in order to fully test both air-to-air -air and air-to-ground capabilities. I really do appreciate the perspective that I can bring uh, coming on from the A-10 and the F-16 to hopefully bring some influence from that perspective. As testers, the contacts we have back in the Combat Air Force are valuable, she said. We can reach out to our networks to solicit feedback, solicit information on how we could and should accomplish our mission sets in future. That really, that's really where we can open doors. I can reach back to my friends and contacts in my previous community, just like other test pilots here. Before joining the 461st uh, squadron uh, Winecki flew A-10C fighter jets operationally uh, across Southwest Asia, Eastern Europe and the Pacific region. After graduation from the USAF test pilot school at the Edwards Air Base Winecki was reassigned as an F-16 fighting Falcon test pilot with the 416th squadron uh, the 412th uh, sorry the 402nd 400, no 412th sorry uh I don't quite know. 412? I don't, I don't really know. how. In the story, it says 412ND, which has sort of surprised me. So, I, so I'm going to say the 412th uh, Test Wing Commander, Brigadier T uh, General E. John uh, Tykert, said that uh, Major Winecki's accomplishments, accomplishments are exactly why we continue to be at the centre of aerospace testing universe. Breaking barriers is what we do with history-making impact every day for the war fighter the breakthrough comes at a time when the united states air force is suffering from a long-term pilot shortage in march last year the united states air force teamed up with nato to try and address the issue now it's a lovely story it really is and i'm delighted that but as i say i do find it very bizarre that in 2019 this is still headline news and it's mm. sad that it is still considered headline news i mean it shouldn't matter uh, what your where you know what your religion is whether you're male female is you're qualified that should be the only reason uh why you should be um either you know approved or denied in my opinion no it is a good it's good to see obviously you know we we talk every now and again there's stories in the commercial sector yeah. where there's you know all female pilots and stuff like that and as yeah. you said I just Matt, find it, it should sad be that it's still a thing normal I, you know what i mean you know. yeah it shouldn't be uh, it shouldn't be headline news in this day and age should it we be? need an all female aviation podcast okay i'll um I'll get my coat. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I think Gemma will be no good at this particular role because she, I mean, she can barely Let's drive be a car over 30 miles now, an hour. Look, behave, you, just because she's not here. Uh, <laughs> and to be fair, she probably knows more about aviation than I do. So, <laughs> so oh. that's not hard. Oh, I don't yeah. know about that, Matt. <laughs> so that's where we bring uh, the military news uh, segment to a close this week. Uh, but we have got uh, a very special little uh, video clip up next. So, uh, Nev, what's this all about? 
Yes, we remember last week in the Christmas competition, we drew out the winners and the winner of the top prize was Jenny Parkinson. Um, of course, where we can, we try and present our listeners quite with their right, gifts right. directly. It just so happened that she wasn't in Rome and she was in London. In fact, actually very near where I was born and where she lived for many years as well. So we're both quite familiar with the area, uh, which is around uh, the west part of London. So I went down there for lunch today and this is what happened. Well, here we are on the Italian table, I'm pleased to say, in a West London restaurant. And we have Jenny and her husband, Fabio, and her daughter, Laura, uh, next door to us. We just had a very nice uh, bit of food. Thank you very much, Jenny, for uh, buying it all for us as well. Uh, oh, it was Fabio's credit card, is it? OK, fair enough. And uh, so, what have you got there, Jenny? Congratulations on winning the prize. Ooh. What could it be, I wonder? I'm very, very pleased. Very, very pleased with this. Aha. There we are, signed by the man himself. I'm, I'm really looking forward to reading it. Yeah, it's a great, uh, a great book actually. Really, really good. So, uh, congratulations to Jenny for. Uh, there is something else in here. Uh, there is, yes. There's uh, something else too. Oh, I wonder what that is. Congratulations. Thank you. Brilliant. And hello to everybody. <laughs> oh, thanks, hey. Nev. Thanks, thanks for delivering that in person. That's, that's really the way okay, forward. Pleasure. Yeah, that was good, wasn't it? And uh, it was a very nice uh, meal as well, actually. I really enjoyed that. So uh, that was uh, wonderful. And thank you uh, to Fabio for um, trying yeah. out his Italian visa card. Oh, very good. Well, I'm delighted it worked. Otherwise, it, it could have been a very expensive <laughs> afternoon for you otherwise. Yeah, all yeah, the washing up. Great to right. see Jenny again as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah well done, yeah. Jenny. Well done. And uh, well done to everyone who uh, entered the uh, Christmas competition and won a prize. Mm. So uh, yeah, it's, it was a good it was a good competition and incredibly hard. As Jenny said, the questions were yeah. hard this year. Yeah, indeed. But uh, they were they were meant to be hard. 
bad. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, we We've good. had uh, a few comments in the chat room during the show uh, about the picture behind you, Matt. Oh, okay. Um, right. Yes. And yeah, you. There's a few, one behind you as well. A, f- a few. Uh, a few comments on that the the uh, C17 was creeping up behind you. Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Someone else suggested that you perhaps you should wear you should wear a green. Uh, beanie hat or uh, a woolly hat. <laughs> I don't have so. a green t-shirt actually. Otherwise, yeah, we could have a lot of fun with that. I suppose, couldn't we? Yeah. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> so, uh, as uh, we've said in the last few episodes, we are having our, our yearly get together, mm. uh, yeah, sort of conference chat next weekend, Indeed. where we're going to be discussing what we're going to do this year with the show in regards to air shows and all the bits and pieces that we're going to be attending in 2019. Mm. So, uh, keep your eyes and ears open uh, on social media and the show as well for where we're going to be in 2019 because we're hoping yep. to do uh, quite a few different uh, air shows this year fingers crossed uh, and uh, yeah uh, yeah well, what, I w- what i would like perhaps to, to say also is um myself and nev are actually going to be in london uh well nev lives there doesn't he but uh we'll, we'll spend most of his time there and that's on the thursday we said wasn't it in the end so it's, yes. it's the 20 was it the 28th Yes, 28th of yeah. February. Uh, Matt and I will be at uh, Excel mm-hmm. at the Broadcast Video Expo show. Yeah. And uh, so if anyone is around and wants to just yeah. pop in and say hello, uh, it's a free entry into the show, so we can uh, yeah. always get you in somehow, I'm sure. But uh, we'll be down there, so if anyone fancies a coffee or yeah, a chat. Absolutely. Or yeah, absolutely. Or even, even afterwards, because I think, as you say, it finishes quite early. It finishes about yes. four, doesn't it? So if yeah. anybody is up for a, a bit of a meet-up in London, it doesn't necessarily have to be at the Excel. If we can find a location that's all there, then obviously uh, get in touch to uh, the show. It is a podcast at Play talkinguk.com it is podcast at plain talking uk.com or go straight to our website we've just got a temporary page up at the moment uh, but the contact form is on the front page so it's still easy to get in touch with the show fill in that form it'll send us an email uh, myself carlos and nev will see it and uh, yeah so if you are in london or going to come down to london then by all means on the tw- on the 28th of february uh, on the thursday we'd be delighted to see you uh, if you follow us on social media it is facebook.com forward slash plain talking uk our twitter handle is at plain talking uk and the website www.plaintalkinguk.com and don't panic jonathan warner and tony s we do have plans hopefully this year to uh, uh join you at yeah. uh, fairford so yeah they yes uh, that, that is the plan yeah that year. is the yeah. plan this year we, we sort of in our last meeting we sort of decided that we would sort of alternate wouldn't we so yeah. it would be uh, when 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 um farmer isn't running then we'll do react and vice versa because so. because react is about 460 billion miles away from yes. uh, where me and matt live here yes, in yes. Beautiful Although that shouldn't, that shouldn't be the reason why we don't go, to be fair. But, uh, you know. No, I, I, to be fair, we're both insured on the uh, TriStar van, Matt. So, we are, uh, yes, yeah, yes, so we're, absolutely, yeah. yes. Yeah. So that is You're well, really missing out, Nev. You oh, no. Well, no, I, don't worry, because uh, obviously you, you guys are coming over to me next I week. I know. Woo-hoo. Yeah, so hope you've got your passports, because you don't normally come this far. No, we don't. No, absolutely. Oh. I'm slightly scared, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, absolutely. Is it really high up? I get nosebleeds if it's really high up. <laughs> yes, because you're used to very flat. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We don't do hills or anything like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Dear. Very much. So. But, uh, we might. What we might do actually, because uh, obviously, while we'll be in the studio here t- talking about it too, so we might do a bit, bit of video, perhaps for. Uh, Will we now? <laughs> oh, sorry. I should have mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> right. Okay. Good. And on that. Can we go home now? Yeah. So we are going to wrap up then episode. <laughs> Episode number 251 of the show. Uh, 
big thanks to everyone who's joined us in the YouTube chat room this evening. All the big family members there mm. uh, enjoying themselves this evening. The conversation's been pretty yeah, uh, uh, exciting in the chat room yes. this, uh, this evening. So well done to everyone who's uh, mm. joined us. And also a big thanks as well, not forgetting everyone who downloads the show via the audio podcast yes, streaming services such as iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, uh, um, Spotify. I think yeah, Spotify's Spotify, well. yeah, yeah, on Spotify. Yeah, we're on Spotify. Or if you've got an Alexa... You could, actually, you could actually say to Alexa, <laughs> uh, you can initially ask Alexa to play the Plain Talking UK podcast. I know, and she does it. She's very good. She does. She's very good. She's very good. Yes, very good. we are working because at the moment, if you ask for the Plain Safety podcast, <laughs> it tells you to go away at the moment. But uh, we are helping Pip resolve that <laughs> slight technical issue. Oh, poor Pip. <laughs> poor Pip. But yes, thanks Absolutely. to everyone who does that. And if, remember, if you do download the show via iTunes, we would love it if you could give us a little rating and review on mm -hmm. iTunes because that does help to move things along on the iTunes site. See, I, I get a bit nervous when we ask for, for feedback these days now after what happened before. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, but we don't talk about food anymore. No, okay. <clears throat> <laughs> yes, okay. So uh, <laughs> thanks, Nev, again, as always, for joining us tonight. Fantastic mm. uh, I can't, I can't wait to see what he's going to pull out of the bag in readiness for next week. You know, now oh, that Sir Richard John's interviews are finished. Yeah. <laughs> well, I tell you what, Matt. If we if we pull up at Nev's next week and we see a a, a kind of a limo or a, a, a blacked out right. uh, okay. Mercedes Benz, yeah. you know, it's. Yeah. Well, do you reckon he could get one of the Spice Girls to come and join us for a <gasps> meeting again, like he did, like ah, he did last yes, Christmas? Of course. Yeah. Well, there's there's you never know, do you? You never no, know. What's you, oh, I can't wait now. I'll have a yeah. word with my agents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I mean, I'll settle for Alan Dedicote. It's fine. I'm not fussy. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> really. Carol Vorderman for me. I mean, you know, uh, Carol hey, Vorderman. Oh, yeah. come on. Now, come on. Look, the legend that is the voice of the balls. Come on. He's a legend. So I'm just being biased with Carol yeah, Vorderman. I know. You I know. know. Anyway, thanks, everyone. That's it. Have a great weekend, whatever you're doing across the globe. Enjoy yourselves. Have a safe weekend. And we'll be back again next Friday, guys. Uh, well, yes, it'll have to be because yeah. we're, we're down there. On, unless we're going to do the yeah. show from Nevs. But we'll be we're back going next. For, no, so we're, we're, doing, we're going out for dinner Saturday. Yeah, we'll so be back yeah, next yeah. Friday evening yeah, again indeed. with the show. So thanks again, everyone. Have a great weekend. Take care. And from me, Carlos, here in the PTUK studios, it's good night. Uh, so everybody say goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.